0: Greetings, Voyagers. Welcome to the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. This is episode number 122. Today's day of recording is Thursday, August 8th. The time of recording across the ocean where my guest joined us was 11 o'clock at night in Shawin Morocco. So thanks to her. But before we get to her, I'll mention that there will be Moroccan-themed episodes trickling in here with content that I'm recording with people here in New York and then some other people overseas. So there'll be like Morocco, other content, Morocco, other content. And this is a Morocco one. So previously I talked about Tangier, and this one's going to be about Chef Chauin. If you've ever been on Instagram or Facebook or just a Google search and you saw a really cool city with archway doors and everything is blue and it's in Morocco, that is Chef Chauin. I have a very short journal entry here. I was recording them in all the cities that I was in, and this one I wrote at a place called the Spanish Mosque. It's a, I don't know, from the city center, like half hour-ish walk uphill, and quite literally, there's a place of worship at the top of this hill, and it overlooks the entire city. Like You could see everything, and you could hear everything from up there too. So we were watching the soccer game, it was Morocco. Oh, God, who were they playing? Come on, Tim. Well, it was the game they got bounced because they tied and they had to have a win to move on. But we could hear people yelling and cheering and shouting all the way down like into this valley of a city from at the top of the Spanish mosque. And then at about 8.45, it's the final call to prayer, and you can hear it echoing from all the different mosques in the city, and it reaches you at that point. It's really, really incredible. In the foreground, you see uh, like sheep herders and kids running around keeping the sheep in order. There's goats. Just a really, really cool scene. So I wrote this tiny, short little thing from up there. It says, Shifshawan looks like it was picked up by the hands of God and dropped into a valley between mountains. Today was full of holy moments. Sharing a couscous meal, which is the traditional Friday breaking of the fast. Leslie buying rugs watching football, Morocco versus Benin. There you go, folks, Benin. The view of Chefchaouen from the Spanish mosque. And I trail off there because you know what? I didn't want to write. I didn't want to talk. I didn't want to take pictures. I just wanted to look out at the city and soak it in. The sun was setting behind the mountains. The cities in the foreground before that. Really just an incredibly beautiful sight. I mentioned this later in the episode, and I had that there in that journal entry, but the day was incredible. We had gotten to Chefchaun, sort of hot and hungry, randomly ended up in this rug shop. A rug shop. Uh, you know, probably you know that Moroccan rugs are uh, quite famous and a thing that people buy from all around the world, and in the shop... It was the traditional breaking of the fast on Friday where you have couscous so folks won't eat up until that moment in early to mid-afternoon and then everyone will just grab a spoon and share in this couscous meal. So we were invited to do that, really amazing moment. Um, So Renee, who was my guest, she was there and she talked about her life and what she's doing. One of my favorite things to do when traveling. Uh, Really glad I got to do that and to share that moment with Leslie as well. So... Renee is Australian, but she's living in And I'm not going to tell you too much because she'll get into all of it. Um, But she helps people with essentially like a tour guide uh, and also some some social media stuff. Uh, Really friendly. Uh, She gets into this in the end here in this episode, so pay attention to like the last minute. Pay attention to all of it. But the last minute she says, hey, even if you want to come just get a coffee with me, come get a coffee with me. I love that. Like she gets it. Not to be too judgy, but if you're someone who's like, ah, travel is a carnival cruise, you don't get it. I'm sorry. I just really love those moments where you just you're with a stranger. It's usually in the best setting is like coffee or food or a beer, and you're talking about your life and you're sharing culture. I don't know. It's not much better to me. So um she joined to talk about her life and what she's doing and to share some information about Chef Shawan. Again, thank you to her. You know, she had been painting and it's quite late at night there and we had to deal with you know, Wi-Fi and stuff like that. So uh, really great guest and uh, appreciative of her and I'd love to cross paths with her, with her again someday. There's something I've talked about on here over and over and over and over again, so I'm not going to belabor the point, but I think that this episode points it out again and it's that if you want to do something or you have a dream, there's nothing that separates me from you or Renee from you. Or anyone who's doing something that you think is amazing, there's nothing that separates them from you, other than the fact that they did it, and they made it happen, and they grinded out the the bad aspects of it that you don't see in social media and things like that, so that they could experience the good. It's crazy because, again, there's two more mass shootings in the news. I'm not gonna get political, but like we're inundated with just this garbage, right? Like we see uh, awful things, these uh, the, the the mass shootings, right? And then you turn on the presidential debates. And it's like, does, do any of these people really care about us? Are these their talking points for their freaking lobby groups? And so, like magic, it sounds so cheesy, guys, I know, but like magic does exist. And I'm not talking about like hocus, poches, hocus pocus magic, but those holy moments that I mentioned, you don't have to be religious to believe in those. I'm not religious. But there are moments where you're like, damn, being alive is such a great thing. And I experienced it a lot while traveling. And I've completely transformed my life from you know five to ten years ago in that now I continuously travel. And I go for the things that I want. Not just travel, but everything in life. I go for it now. And so Renee was like, hey, you know, I want to change. I want to stay in a place. And she did. And so I think another thing that all this crazy stuff in the news points out is that life is short and it could blink out in a second. And then it's gone. And I don't know if you're going somewhere after you die, but I think it would be quite a shame if you went somewhere and you were like, mm. there's times when I had a waking life and I had a body. I wish I had done the things that I fantasized about all the time. And so you can do it. Like Morocco was not the easiest place, trust me. If you go all the way back to like episode 40-something, the Attack of the Killer bedbugs. I got bit by bed bugs again a bunch of times on this trip, and I'm highly allergic, and I looked awful, and they felt awful. And I got super sick uh, in, well, super sick. I got like heat exhaustion, I guess. It was real weird, but maybe I'll talk about it in a couple episodes. But that was in Marzuga in the Sahara. But at the same time, like, I'm in the Sahara Desert. It doesn't get much more magical than that. Like, this is something I've taught. Uh, Ibn Battuta, Mansa Musa, the golden salt trade. Like, an incredible experience. The Berber Trail, and we took camels out, you know, an hour or so into the desert. We, we, we stayed in the campouts and... It was amazing, 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 amazing. And things can be amazing for you too. It's not that tricky. You just have to sort of have the courage and the bravery to to take the plunge and then to sort of do the work to make sure it happens. You know, I'm not so eloquent. I know I'm not the best speaker, but if you could get anything from this podcast ever or from this episode, I hope it's that, that there are amazing things that you want, you can make it happen. Whether it's an experience, travel, an occupation, a person, Go make it happen. All right. If you want to support this podcast, money, 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 right? You can do so on Patreon. Patreon.com slash TheVoyagesOfTimVetter. That will go to keeping these stories coming. Whatever you get out of it, inspiration, education, entertainment. If not, if you can't support financially, you can support by leaving a five-star rating and review on iTunes or the application of your choice, or just sharing you know, the podcast with people, telling them about it. Um, you know, subscribing, downloading, all that really good stuff. All right, I'm gonna stop talking now. This is my conversation with Renee Weir. Please make sure you go to the show notes to find the links to her stuff as well. Here we go, folks. So first of all, Renee, thank you. Uh, I know we're making this happen across the oceans, and it's very late there, so I appreciate your time. <laughs> no, it's no problem at all. All right, so one thing I think is cool about meeting somebody new when traveling, in my head I think, like, well, what took place to make this moment happen? So I'll explain sort of how we ended up there, and then I'm going to ask you why in the heck you are in the blue city. So... Uh, this pronunciation took me a very long time. Uh, is Chef Showin correct? Yeah,
1: Chef Chef yes, Chef Shawin. Chef Showin. Very, yep. Oh my gosh, on. Okay. So
0: we were in Tangier and we had mapped out a route and we knew that the next major place that we wanted to go was Chef Shawin. Uh, it's very hot in Morocco, so we took the bus there, we got there. A little disoriented. It's hard to find your way around the city. Uh, everything's blue. There's no street signs. End up at the hostel. Drop our stuff. Feeling hungry, so we're walking around. We run into this guy, and you know, in Morocco, a lot of people are trying to sell things. Uh, a lot of people are trying to talk to you. So Leslie is much more trusting of people than me. It's actually something I admire about her. But I was like, ah, let's let's avoid this guy. But it turns out he was like, hey, I have a restaurant, I'll give you my card. He brought us into this rug shop, and there you are, and there's a family of people who own the shop. They're about to break their fast with a couscous dinner. They invite us to sit down, and then we have a bunch of brand-new friends, which is an amazing thing about travel. Uh, but you are not from Morocco. How did you end up in that space? Yeah, yeah
1: no, I'm just definitely not Moroccan. Um, You can probably tell by my accent. So um, I'm Australian um, and I had been living in New Zealand for five years prior to um, when I left to go travel. So I wanted to um, go traveling for about six months. So I quit my job, sold everything that I had, shipped the stuff that I wanted to keep home, um, to my parents' house and back in Australia, and then I um, left to head to Europe. Uh, but before I was leaving, my flatmate wanted to go to Morocco. Um, I wasn't fussed on it. I wanted to <laughs> see Europe. Um, but I thought, oh, no, she's a really good friends. Why not? Why not see what Morocco is about? And our second day, we, same as you, went to Tandir, and then came down to Seshawen. Um, and we met this guy in the street. such a Moroccan thing, meeting yeah. random people <laughs> in the street and just trusting them. So we met this guy also. Um, and, wow. uh, yeah, he said his wife was Australian, and I did not believe him at all. I was so sceptical. I just thought, what is this guy going to sell me? Where does he want to take me? Yeah. Um, but he said that we should come back to his house and meet his wife. And so we were like, okay, why <laughs> not? Um, so we followed this guy home. And luckily for us, there was an Australian wife there. Um, and so, yeah, and we met Julie um, and then ended up having a great day um, enjoying the Moroccan hospitality. Um, and then I we kept traveling, so we just spent a day there. And then um, my friend went home, and I never did. I kind of just wow.
0: fell in love with Morocco. So then why Chef Show went? Like, why did you settle for that city as opposed to other places?
1: Um, when we were there, there's something magical when we were there. I don't know whether it was because it was my first real day in Morocco, um, and that people were so nice to us and so welcoming and friendly that it set me up for like a really good trip that I was like had super high expectations and I'm like, Moroccans are amazing. These people are so nice. Um, It was not at all um, as I had thought or my preconceived ideas of what it was going to be like in Morocco. Um, And then, yeah, I, I don't know why. There was just... A few. There was another um, random um, occurrence. So after I left Morocco, I wanted to um, not travel every couple of days. I just wanted to base myself in one city. Um, so I looked at volunteer options, and I applied to some all across Europe. And I just threw one in that was in Morocco because I had this feeling when I left Morocco the first time that I'd be back. And then sure enough, the volunteer job in Cheshawin, was the one
0: that got back to me first. Oh, so, very cool. How I,
1: yeah, got back there.
0: Our first day there uh, in Chefchaouen was one of the best that we had on our, our whole time in Morocco. So obviously, like I, I mentioned, the first thing we did was we met you guys, and that was really cool, and ended up getting rugs. So they were either very friendly or had like the best marketing scheme ever, but it worked. And then after that, <laughs> We were walking around, and the African Cup was going on for for football for soccer. And there was a cafe like on the way to the Spanish Mosque, yeah. and people were just going crazy. It was the game that Morocco got; they got knocked yeah. out because they tied. <laughs> but it was so much fun. And then we walked to the Spanish Mosque, and we saw the sunset, just like you recommended. We saw the sunset. We listened to the call of, uh, uh, call to prayer at eight thirty or eight forty five, and it was an incredible experience. They had like every perfect thing about travel in one day uh, and for that reason it was one of my favorite places that, that we visited in Morocco I also thought that some of the cities like Fez or we, we were just in Casablanca for like a day but uh, they're super busy and a little bit too congested and can kind of make you kind of crazy and dizzy but there was like a calmness to mm-hmm. Chef Chauin that that uh, made me think like yeah if we, if we had to stay somewhere for a while this is a place that we could stay if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, aesthetics or, or visually, the whole place is blue. I, I think it's incredible because it, it almost looks like a city was like plucked out of somewhere else and just dropped into the middle of these mountains. Um,
1: but why? Why
0: is the city blue? Yeah,
1: and it is blue. Like people just see photos and they come expecting maybe a few streets to be blue but the entire city is blue so you can be walking right across the dock, across the Medina and I guarantee every street, every door bar two are blue um, yeah it's just very very blue um, so there's a few theories as to why it was painted blue um, there's one that's a little left field that I'm not completely sold on and that is that blue Blue repels mosquitoes. Whoa. Um so whether that's true I, I'm not sure. I I get bitten by mosquitoes here in the summer, <laughs> so I don't like that theory, but that's just me. I might just have I don't know, blood that mosquitoes like and sweet blood pass through the blue for me. Um, cool. and then the other theory, but uh, I kind of I believe it. So I don't know, well, it is a theory, but um I kinda of think it's it's true. Um, so the Jews um, in World War Two were forced out of Spain, Portugal, um, and they settled in the north Mor- in North Morocco, um, and in particular Tangier, Tetuan, and Chefchaouen. So Chefchaouen was a Spanish-run um, and owned city um, up until the fifties when it was handed back to Morocco. So uh-huh. it's believed that the Jews were the to paint the city blue or their Jewish quarter blue, um, to reflect the sky, mirror heaven, remind them to um, lead a godly life um, and just, yeah, quite a spiritual meaning. Um, And there's no, we don't have a Jewish population here anymore, but um, the, the Moroccans still uphold the tradition and repaint the city blue every year just before Ramadan. Uh-huh. So um, if you come before Ramadan in the lead up probably about two weeks, um, you can get a chance to help paint the town blue. Oh, that's awesome. Everyone welcomes anyone to give it a go. Um, it's a lot of fun and everyone's out and about um, getting excited for Ramadan and getting their house all freshly painted. Wow, that's really cool. When I'm a bit late because I've been painting my house tonight. <laughs> yeah, so I see that. So I'm a little, I'm a month, month behind. <laughs> um. That's,
0: yeah, that's the definition, uh, that's the, the reason that we had heard too, and I think that's a really, really cool one. Um, how long did it take you to, like, memorize the streets and, <laughs> and figure, your like, your way around by memory? Because it is really confusing.
1: It is. And, yeah, there's no addresses, no street names. Um, Google Maps, heaven forbid, does not really work in Chefschaun. Um... But I, in my former life, um, I was a city planner ah. and I seem to have this weird ability to memorise maps, layout, um, to take notes of certain landmarks, to kind of um, orientate myself. Um, so I have that bonus. Uh, but when I first moved here every morning, I would go out and get myself lost on purpose. I would take new streets and just kind of wander and see where I would end up um, and try and make my way home, whether it was really quick or whether I got lost for an hour. Um, It was all part of the fun, and Sheshowen is really, really safe, so you're fine to just wander and explore on your own. Yeah,
0: You've done something that I think is pretty brilliant because – a lot of people talk to me about, like, oh, how can you travel this much? Or I'd love to be able to monetize it, or I'd love to go somewhere and I don't know how to figure out how to have any sort of income. And you took a place. So uh, I think it's fair to say that Morocco isn't visited as much as a place that might be in, like, the backpacker trail in Southeast Asia or something like that. So you picked a place that doesn't have a ton of content out about it. And a city in particular, like we mentioned, that can be a little bit confusing, especially for somebody who's just coming uh, for two days or something like that, but it's a quite beautiful place that people want to go and take pictures. Obviously in the age of social media, it's a place that pops and looks really cool. Uh, can you talk about how you've managed to uh, create a business and, and to sustain yourself and stay there? Um, it ha-
1: it's been a challenge. So Originally when I left, because I only wanted to travel for six months, so I had budgeted for six months' travel. So me staying in Morocco wasn't really part of the plan, so I needed to make that work if I wanted to stay here. Um, it is very cheap to live in Morocco in terms of um, your food. Um, rent rent is getting a little bit expensive now that it's become quite a touristy destination, Um but if you eat locally, you go to the market um, and especially me who likes to avail myself of different families at dinner time um, to get a good home cooked meal for free, um, like when I met you guys, um, that's my Friday free lunch. Um, but in terms of creating a business, so last year, so I came here to, and doing a work away program so that... Um, and that's all over the world. It's really good if people want to travel long-term and want to try and save as much money as they can. Um, It's a program where you essentially work for about five hours a day and you'll get your um, food and board for free. And it can be in any sort of area. You could be doing farming. You could be in a hostel. You could be teaching. Um, It's... um, yeah, just up to whatever program you choose. So I did that for two months originally, um, but we were in the same town as um, the Australian girl and her Moroccan husband that oh, I met on okay. the second day. Um, luck would have it, B got his visa to move to Australia, and so they asked me if I wanted to move into their house and run it as a guest house. Um, and so then I was like, why not? Another opportunity. I may as well take it and just see where that leads. Um, so I had so much fun doing that for all of last year. Um, but the thing I enjoyed most was taking people out and about on adventures, on um, showing them the best places in town to take photos, hiking, or just showing them the real side of Sharon and introducing them to local families, for meals, um, going to the... the local football games, just basic everyday real life showing travellers that side of it. Um, And then I also was getting a lot of contacts through um, Instagram. People would message me asking me, hey, I'm coming to Morocco. Can you help help me with where I should go or can you recommend places to eat? Um, And it wasn't until two Canadian girls came um, late last year and they told me that um, I should kind of create a business doing what I'm doing um, if I want to stay here long term because this is a service um, that they pay for in other countries. So I was like, oh, okay, that could be a good option. Um, So I looked into that and then um, when I went home, at Christmas to visit the family, I um, yeah registered as an Australian business and kind of came up with a, a business plan, um, and then came back to Morocco and got that up and running. Um, it's quite difficult in a in a in a foreign country that doesn't speak English, right. um, and also in as a solo girl, I guess trying to start up something. But um, I'm enjoying it. And, um, uh- it's kind of nice having a, a new a new challenge, I guess, um, to focus
0: on. Yeah. Awesome, and we'll plug that. That's it's called the Shaowen Insider. Yes, Shaowen Insider. Yep. Cool. Um, I wanted to ask you about something uh, in relation to sort of, I guess maybe the way of saying is like gender roles in Morocco. Maybe not in Chef Shaowen itself, but more so in the whole country. It it, it was was interesting because two of the girls that we had met the day we met you were saying that they struggled a bit in Fez because they were getting uh, a lot of like unwanted attention and catcalled and stuff like that. And then traveling around with Les, like we were going to coffee shops a lot just because we like coffee. And then, you know, they were playing the African Cup. And so we wanted to watch. And, you know, there was a time in Morocco when it was illegal for women to go to cafes, but it was quite a long time ago that it became legal, but it seemed to me at least culturally it's still like a really male-dominated activity so that when we would go to a lot of these places we'd get a lot of stares or even there were a couple of situations where Leslie would try to order something and she would get ignored and then she would say to me, Tim, this is what I want, and I would order it and the guy would listen to me, Um, which you know made me uncomfortable and certainly made her uncomfortable. Uh, I'm wondering sort of how you're finding that phenomenon in Morocco and if you notice that
1: changing at all um i don't um, i don't know whether i'd say that i've noticed it changing okay. but i definitely i definitely have experienced the um the pin drop as i walk into a cafe full of men and everyone all eyes on me. Um, So when I first came, that was quite daunting and I didn't really know how to take it. And you're like, oh, as a tourist, should I even be in this coffee shop? Um, I didn't get served one time. Um, But generally, I'm going to speak, actually not generally, but in Chef Shaolin's situation, I don't find that as big of a problem. They're quite... um, accepting or welcoming of mm. women in cafes um you may get a, a, a few stairs um and you definitely won't find women in cafes but you're still you're still welcome there I have my favorite little local cafe that I now just go to I, I don't care he serves the best coffee it's cheap <laughs> um I'll go and sit there in the morning and just be like the men and watch life go by. Um I just don't have a, a girlfriend to sit there with and talk to like I, I would normally. Um but yeah, it's it's still definitely you do get um um no I don't want to say I don't want to make it sound bad, like harass. Like I wouldn't say you do get comments. Like it's a passing thing, but I don't think it's malicious. Um it's just an intrigue or you're different to them. So yeah, you get a few, yeah, few comments.
0: Yeah. And I, and I guess I want to be fair about how I'm labeling it too. Like there was never a situation and I want to speak for Leslie, but we were together most of the time, but there was never a situation where we felt like anyone was in danger. It was just a little bit exhausting to have to like constantly be the focal point of attention. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for, for, for being honest about that. Um, okay. Another thing. And if any of these topics are off limits, we won't go there. But, um, another sort of like cultural phenomenon is like, you go a lot of places and people say like, do you want hash? Right. Uh, which happens anywhere you travel. I mean, it happens here in New York. Um, but specific to Morocco is sort of like this culture of hash. And I know that, uh, drugs are illegal in Morocco, but, Everyone had told us when you're in and like you have to go and see the farms, uh, which we actually didn't do. But uh, is that something that a lot of people do do there? I mean, do you, when you have people asking you sort of for itinerary, do you tell them, hey, you got to check out these like pot farms? Okay.
1: Um, no, I don't. Re- I I don't recommend it. It's okay. not on. Like when I'm creating ice itineraries for people, I just <laughs> say, "Hey, day one, let's head up to the farm." Um, it's something that you either know about before you come to Chef Shawn, or it's a surprise when you get shipped when you get to chef showering. Um, it's normally the people who are surprised by it who then go, oh, let's go to the farm. Do you know of a farm that we could go and visit? We just want to take photos. We don't want to do anything. Um, so, yeah, I do have a farm that I recommend people will go to um, just because I know the people there and I trust them with my life essentially. So I'll... I only like to recommend people or activities that I trust or that I would do myself. Um, and I just don't want people going off with anyone that they meet on the street on the promise that there's a farm that they're going to head up into the mountains and see. Um, but it is quite big culturally in Sheffield And There is a, um, a big tourist group um, that does come to Sheffshaw and, they definitely partake and enjoy <laughs> um, of <laughs> Chef Shaolin's finest export product <laughs> that's around. Um, but it's not like you come here and you wouldn't, um, if you were never asked for it, you wouldn't even know that it was right something that was in the hills, hills around. Um, yeah, it's just who, who you meet, you're walking around the streets. Yeah, and whether you have a certain look about yourself, uh, I know what you mean, <laughs> um, determines whether they will whether they'll ask you if you want want hash. So um, yeah, if you've got tattoos, dreadlocks, or are just a solo solo male, you're guaranteed to be asked a hundred times across the medina as you're walking through. Uh, so, yeah. Absolutely, females <laughs> are generally okay.
0: There were nights where you know, if the hostel had a kitchen, we would just go like you said to the market and get like really good fresh vegetables for super cheap, right? Just like a couple dollars American and then we'd be or, or U.S. and we'd be able to to cook. And I do recall this one night that I went out by myself to go get stuff, and it was like every corner, like guys like hash, hash, hash. I was like, no, thank you. Um, another sort of uh, maybe um, culturally unique thing. Well. I mean, there's, there's public baths all over, uh, Europe, but, um, the hammams were something that I thought were really cool. I didn't get to go to one, um, because they're, they're gendered in terms of the time of day that you go, but there's sort of the old school ones. And then the newer, more like spa quality ones. Uh, in Fez, Leslie got to do one of the old school ones, like down this like dark alley, you enter a place, they wouldn't let me come in. Um, but I'm wondering if you could probably explain it better. If for listeners, you can explain what a hamam is.
1: Yeah. You just explained it so great. The entrance it is. It's like, (laughs) you think you're going to be, um, you, you don't know where you're going. They're like in the, there's no big sign outside, but, um, it's just a door that you enter. Um, um, yeah, local hammams are definitely an experience. Um, I think you should, should give it a go. Give both a go, the local and the spa, because um, they're very, very different experiences. Um, the local humam, um, yeah, it's female up oh, to the one I go to. It's men in the morning, fem- women in the afternoon till about seven at night, and then men again, eight till midnight. Um, you go in, and it just depends on the time of day, the day, um, how many other women are going to be in there. Um, I go to one that is it's very local, and it's not a touristy touristy one. Um, so I'm normally in there with, oh, okay, it depends, about fifteen to twenty other women, um, and it's like um, I'd say a change a changing room. <laughs> Um, if we were to go swimming back in like high school, it's just all open. Um, you just strip off essentially down to your underwear and then you go into the next, the, through the next door into a very basic, just plain tiled concrete room. Um, kind of like a sauna. It will be quite hot. Um, most of the water is heated by a fire just outside um, and a lady will kind of tell you where to sit. And um, if you choose to, she can give you the full scrub down, which is something else. Um, <laughs> you, she just, mine is rough. Mine just chips a bucket of water over my head. Yeah. Um, and then lathers, lathers me up in, um, it's called black, black hamam soap. Um, and it softens your skin. And you just sit there and bake for a few minutes. Um, why all the women are around you doing the exact same thing or they're normally in pairs with their friends doing, um, scrubbing each other down. Um, it's very uh, loud and social. So the men go to the cafe, um, women go to her mom and that's their time to gossip, catch up. Um, they're just walking around free, happy. Um, and then the lady comes back and she'll have a exfoliating mix that I kind of liken to a scourer and then they get to and scrub you down hard and um, you lose a good layer, two layers of skin, um, which you is it, repulsive actually. So it's like when you use an eraser and the... Oh. <laughs> I don't know, bits on the paper, that's what's covered wow. on your skin. I know it's very vivid, sorry, but that's what it's like. Even if you think you're clean and you wash all the time, they can get off every bit of dead skin um, and you come out feeling like a baby and you're really relaxed and tired. So it generally takes about an hour in the um, local Haman, but you can stay as long as you like and just sit and um, enjoy the warmth um, and then you just head back out. So, um, yeah, it's quite a foreign um, concept for a lot of um, Western countries and a lot of tourists are a bit weirded out by the whole process of kind of getting naked with other strangers in a room um, that the Moroccans, that's just normal and they don't um, feel ashamed by it. It's it's a really um, really good eye-opening um Ah uh, saying experience again, but it's a good way of um understanding or getting a um quite a unique and raw um, experience, I guess, of um, them and their natural them and their most basic state and how beautiful like their friendships are with each other and how caring they all are. So it's a, it's good. And then you've got the luxury her mom, which is like going to a spa back home um, and the smells are amazing. And it's just you in the room with a yeah, a nice lady. And it's very, very different experience. But I think if you're coming to Morocco, give the local one a go. Yeah. It's, it's worth it for the stories, yeah. for the stories. <laughs> Yeah, that's really cool. They, they, most of them don't speak English as well, and they'll be trying to tell you to roll over or stand up and sit down. You have legs and arms flying everywhere because it's <laughs> a language barrier. Um, there's a lot of laughs, so it's it's worth it.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's amazing.
1: Yeah, and, and I think I don't, I've only had two two guys go to a local hammam who um, were my guests. One came out severely traumatized and he was quite a big, a big solid bloke. And um, he was sitting on the steps outside shaking, thinking that he had been violated. And the way he described it was he was put through wrestling moves and all sorts um, in terms of getting a massage. Um, so it's, it's different.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think definitely something unique if you're looking for like an authentic cultural experience when you're traveling. Um, Yeah, because even in, like, I know people who have done things in, like, Hungary and things like that, but you're just sort of, like, getting in a bath and bathing yourself. Um, Yeah, that sounds really cool. I'm kind of jealous that I didn't get to do it.
1: Uh, Next time.
0: Yeah, we'll have to come back. One of the coolest things I think that we did, again, your recommendation, thank you, um, was uh, you can take um, a shared van kind of like a a taxi car, about a half hour to this really cool hike, right? Um, And for for people to understand it, there's a lower hike where you can just hike to these falls. Uh, Well, more like, yeah, little mini falls. Uh, And it is freaking cold, man. Like it is so cold, uh, which is nice because it's so hot in Morocco. (laughs) And then there's a longer hike. Uh, Okay, so uh, I'll do a little bit better job. If you're swimming in the pools... Uh, and these are natural pools. Uh, there's a formation above them called God's Bridge, right? And you can hike that. So we thought that that hike was the one to get to the water. So we made it to God's Bridge and a little bit past. And it's like so hot, but it's beautiful and it's amazing. And like there's no one really doing that long hike. Um, but after that, we were like, "Oh my God! It's three more hours to get to the Big Falls. Like, we're not going to make it." Uh, so we doubled back, walked all the way back, and then went down to the to the natural pools. Have you gone to the to the Big Falls before? Like the really long hike? Yes,
1: yes. Yeah. So I I probably go there once a week. This time Whoa. I I went yesterday, and I went today this week. Um, Whoa. Did you did you make it to the Big Fall? No, uh, so so that's what we
0: started to do accidentally because we thought the the Big Fall hike was the short the short one. How long does it take you to get to that one?
1: Yeah. So the walk to the Grand Cascade um, takes about five hours. Um, that's if you're going at a good pace and you don't stop along the way, which we definitely recommend you should off at the petite cascade have an orange juice there um, keep walking swim a bit because the whole way up there is beautiful swimming swimming spots because um, you're walking alongside a river um, and then once you're once you're there buy a targine or order a tajin for lunch because they are so delicious cooked on the fire um, so take allow an extra hour to have lunch uh-huh. out there next to the waterfall because um, it's yeah, it's, it's well worth it. But, yeah, it's a solid hike, in, especially in summer. It's hot. Um, even though you've got freezing cold water to cool off in, as soon as you're out, it's, it's hot. Um, but I, in summer, I just go to God's Bridge because I think the, the walk to God's Bridge um, along the river um, is just so beautiful and it's nowhere near as long. Um, so people can do it in a half day. Um, and yeah, there's some, some beautiful places to swim and jump off rocks and cliffs. So it's, if you're in Shaolin and you have two days, two or more days, definitely, definitely take a taxi and head to Akshaw.
0: Yeah. It's really beautiful. The, the large falls, maybe we were wrong. So like, if you're trying to get to the large falls, you have to go over the top of God's bridge, right? And then keep going.
1: No, no. Wow. So at the very, very starting point, um, you would have headed right, kind of where the dam or the overflow is at the very start. Yeah. If you take the path to the right, that will take you to God's Bridge. If you then want to come to the waterfall, you come back to the start and then walk up another valley. But there is uh. there is a walk. <laughs> You can do that, um, is like two, three day walk if you went up God's Bridge and around. So that's what we started doing. <laughs> oh my god! And we were like, There's no, It's a national park with absolutely no signage, no indication of a trail. Exactly, it's really difficult if you're just on your own.
0: Oh man, I can't wait to tell Leslie that because we, we had that totally wrong. <laughs> Um, all right, cool. So without like ruining your business here for people who are listening, I, I I did a brief one on Tangier, but these aren't really like how to's necessarily, or like, you know, I throw recommendations in, but, uh, either for Chefchaouen or for Morocco as a whole, if you, if, if someone's visiting and you know, they have a short amount of time, what's something that you think they absolutely must do or see?
1: Um, I think you need to go and get lost in the soups, in the market. Okay. Um, it doesn't matter which, which city you're in. Um, just go wander through the soups because it's crazy. It's hectic. Um, there's so many sights and sounds, smells. Um, it's, if you're into shopping, that's a place to go shopping. Um, you never know what you're going to see. And I think that's what I love about Morocco um, in the beauty of you just never know. You never know what's going to be around the corner, Um, what person, what animal (laughs) is going to just come across your path. So um, there are beautiful beaches, there's beautiful mountains, but I think for a true kind of, um, I don't know, what people think of Morocco is, yeah, go, Go into a into the old Medina in well Fez is crazy. I agree with you. Fez is crazy. Um, maybe get a guide for the first time and then <laughs> then go off. Um, but um, in Marrakesh, especially Jemal Al Fnaar in the main square, um, that sensory overload. There's just everything imaginable. Um, but you have to see it. Don't don't skip it because you're you don't want to. So you've heard that it's too crazy or it's just a little hectic. You've got
0: to see it. Yeah, yeah the, the, I think the most uh, the most entertaining one that we went to was like the Friday Night Square in Marrakesh. That was insane. Uh, we loved it, um, but it was it was really I don't even know how to describe it. It's like a football stadium full of people in one spot, and there's so many sights and sounds and different things. It's sensory overload. It's like chaos, but like in a really good way.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's just so so fun to just walk through, and the things that people do or the games that they've got set up. It just it's um, crazy. <laughs> That's my only. Oh yeah.
0: God. We had come through um, Tarifa in Spain to get to Tangier and then to get around Morocco. And then we finished our trip in Portugal, but we came back up into Tarifa, stayed in a night, and then we're on our way. When we came back to Tarifa, uh, we were staying at a hostel and the guy was talking to us and he's like, where'd you come from? We said, Morocco. He's like, oh, how long were you there? We're like, "Ah, three and a half weeks-ish. And he was like, whoa, that's a really long time from Morocco. Um, But here I am talking to someone who... It has ended up staying there. So, like, what's, what's next for you? Do you end up becoming a Moroccan citizen? Do you end up going somewhere else and living after this? Do you go home? Like, do you think about that stuff, or is this day by day? Uh,
1: it's day by day. Um, I'm probably not going to become a Moroccan citizen anytime soon. <laughs> um, maybe a resident, um, if I can... Sort out the whole um, how to get a business registered in Morocco. Um, no, I I like it here for now. Um, I don't really have any plans to, to move to another country or to move on. Um, I'm just really enjoying trying something new career-wise career um, and I've got the opportunity um, to experience a different culture. Um, I think... Um, all going well. I'll stay here for a little bit longer, and then I think I think after this, I'll probably move move home or Australia or New Zealand. I don't think I'll start life over again in another country. Um, it's it's hard, mm. but I love it. It's um, starting over because you've got to then meet new friends, kind of work out the culture. So I've kind of, I've kind of got Morocco down pat, but then every day something else comes up, and I'm like, what? Um, so yeah, home just sounds good and easy and simple, and you have Wi-Fi that works all the time. Um, I can go to a cafe and order exactly what I want, not just something completely different comes back to me, and that, that's it. Um, yeah, yeah. That's funny. Morocco for now and then home.
0: (laughs) That's so funny because we kept going to places that had pictures of food outside, and we'd be like, "Oh man, that looks so good!" And so we'd sort of order that item on the menu, and it's completely different. It's like, "Wait, what is this? A salad without lettuce?" Like, yeah. um, Yeah. That's funny though because like food is such an integral part of travel. But even on short-term travel, like, you know, we were only gone for a month, I start craving things I can't get. And I had that here in my notes to ask you, because, like, something that I really like is cheese. And, like, a big thing there is, like, like laughing cow, almost like fake cheese, which is, like, okay, but I love cheese. Yeah. Uh, is there anything from home that you're just, like, dying to have?
1: Oh, this is going to sound real Australian, um, but I had been craving Vegemite. I knew you were going to say the that the last couple of <laughs> last couple of weeks, and then I had these amazing girls from Australia coming. Um, they were here on Monday and Tuesday, and they asked me before they left, "Is there anything you'd like us to bring?" And I'm like Vegemite. <laughs> I've been eating veggie mic for like the last three days straight for all my meals, just getting my six. Um uh, no, I don't that's basically what I've been craving. I am okay with the food. Um I oh actually no I do miss bacon. I miss bacon a lot. Ah oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> um so I I may bring that in from Spain when I go across quite regularly um but on the whole no I've kind of just adjusted to having tagine most days or yeah some sort of Moroccan salad yeah yeah cool all
0: right let's uh let's plug your stuff so that people can find it it'll be in the show notes people who listen they know that already they can go to the show notes and click the links that I put uh but if someone's in their car on their way to work right now and just listening where can they go to find out more about you and the and Insider
1: so they can either go to the website, which is the and um, on Instagram, which is at the shower and insider, um or Facebook, the shower and Insider. Um, they're my three. You can also book on TripAdvisor if you're coming, but um, no, feel free to just DM me on any of those um, or send me an email. Um, I'm more than happy to chat to people, give free advice, um, if you're coming here, I'm more than happy to show you around or just meet for coffee. Um, yeah, I love I love meeting travelers who come through, um, even if they, yeah, they're not doing any tours or hiking. That's totally fine. It's just nice catching up with people. And I love hearing about their experiences in Morocco and uh, what they're looking forward to or, or just being able to um, give them a few tips and kind of help out, um, especially solo, solo travelers. Um, It's a little daunting, but it's quite easy to travel in Morocco as a solo traveler. But um, if you're coming through, I would love to meet you Um, and I can kind of part whatever wisdom I have um, and then send you off, go to Fez, go to Casablanca, wherever you go next.
0: Awesome. I love that. Uh, Yeah. Thanks, Renee. This is really, really cool. My pleasure.
1: It's been fun.
0: That's a wrap on episode number 122 of the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. Thank you to Renee, the Shao and Insider, for joining me today and for sharing her story with all of you guys. Really incredible person and I'm really glad to now know her and to be able to call her a friend. Please make sure you go to the show notes so that you can find the links to all of her sites and reach out to her. Hey, you might just have advice about traveling to Morocco. Maybe you're not going to cross paths with her and you want to just do that. But maybe you're going to maybe be in Chefchaouen and you want to have coffee or you know treat her to a nice camel burger at Cafe Clock. Seriously, you could do that. They have that there. But anyway, reach out to her, check her out. Thank you folks as always for listening to the podcast. That's it for me today. As always, please take care of each other. I will catch you next time.